This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. This is the Photography Experiment Podcast, episode number 22, and today we are talking to filmmaker, director, and storyteller, Ale Vidal. She is an amazing, amazing creative who has worked with brands like Google, Starbucks, Canon, and photographers and other creatives looking to build a deeper and more meaningful connection to their prospective clients. I know you're going to love this one. And I have to say a massive thanks to the Image Salon for sponsoring this episode of the show and making it possible. I'm going to tell you more about them later in the show, but if you are struggling with getting through your editing, you need to speak to the Image Salon where you will get assigned your own personal editor who will help free up your hours, deliver the kind of work you want and have you spending more time in your business or more free time. More about them later. Let's get into the interview with Ale Vidal. Today's guest is filmmaker, director, and storyteller, or story weaver, as she likes to describe herself. She specializes in capturing the goals, facts, and feelings of a brand that can't be expressed through traditional marketing. And when you see her work, I think some words that will come to mind are dreamy, beautiful, emotional, and transportive. As a creative, you may even feel that what she creates is unattainable. It's that good. And Sue Bryce says, I've been working to create this video for Sue Bryce Education for a year. Yes, the shots in this video have been collected over a year. I've always been drawn to Ale's work. Her eyes for beauty is absolutely remarkable. I'm talking about the super talented Ale Vidal, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Ale, welcome. Oh, thank you. What an incredible introduction. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. First of all, what do you mean by story weaver? Mm. So by story weaver, what I mean, and at least what I envision, is a weaving of emotions, of visuals that kind of appear in front of you and they sort of just slide out and then something comes up and it makes you feel a certain way. So it's almost this emotion that you're processing, uh, it's just kind of coming up before you. So when I think of weaving, I feel like it's a really visceral word. You know, it gives me like a contextual feeling to it. So I, I really love that word. Yeah. I mean, look, I've watched a bunch of your videos in preparation for this and the word transportive, like, it suits what you do perfectly because you just get taken away. They're like mini movies that you draw us into. I mean, is that something that you've learned or you've just had this natural ability to be able to do this? Well, I remember when I was really little and I used to watch the Gatorade commercials that were incredibly intense. And I remember they would just kind of create this intense feeling inside where it made me want to get up and do something and and not even in an athletic way, just in a way that felt empowering. And I thought, oh my gosh, how do they do that? And I used to feel the exact same way when I would listen to music. I would be driving and a song would come up and then suddenly I would just have these visions of the music video, you know, even though I was just listening to the song. So I think I've always been someone that my senses have always been really engaged, like they're really sensitive. So I think part of it is natural and just the kind of person that I am and how I experience things. But the other part is my pursuit in theater. So I went to performing arts high school for theater 
And I learned there that it wasn't so much acting that was my thing, but more of directing and screenwriting. It was building that character. So when I went to college, I pursued film. And so I developed kind of the theory and structure from there, which really, I think, gave me kind of a foundational groundwork to help me learn how to translate this visceralness that I experience when I see things, you know, when I see music, when I see art. So I think it's, yeah, through that schooling that kind of helped me bridge the more tangible structural elements into expressing what I experience. Well, how much freedom do you have? Because I mean, you're working with these brands and it sounds like, I might be wrong here, but it sounds like you're a commercial, I don't know, cinematographer or videographer and you create these mini films for these brands. How much creative freedom do you actually have when you work with these people? Oh, I have so much creative freedom. It's one of the greatest gifts in what I get to do because at the end of the day, you know, a creative is coming to me because they want to express a really specific message. So ultimately the message is what isn't going to necessarily change, but it's how it's told, like what is captured, what makes the, you know, the cutting room floor and what doesn't, those are decisions that I get to make, but nothing like we don't even start filming before we have that conversation. Like I have to understand that message because again, the message that the creative wants to express, you know, whether that's a story, a process or something behind the scenes that they want captured, ultimately like that's what, what doesn't have as much flexibility, but in the way that it's told, which is, you know, visually and and the emotion, all of those components that, that create the film, they trust me in that because they know that, What I specialize in is creating that emotional connection with their audience. And the only way I can do that is by understanding them and understanding the core of where that message is coming from. Like there's a reason they want to express that. So I dig in and find out, okay, so why are we trying to say this? You know, like you kind of have this standard, maybe even a marketing message, but at the root of it, what's really the goal and the driving force behind that? Because once I know that, it shows up when I'm there filming because that's what's guiding me to recognize, ooh, that shot is important or, ooh, you need to make sure that we talk about this so that I can see that movement in their body or maybe that expression. So by knowing that ahead of time, I show up and I'm intentionally looking for the ways that that message is there visually. So Again, you know, these creatives and these big brands, that's what they're coming to me for because they trust that I'm going to do all of the work and the research before that. And they can sort of relax and really put it in my hands to say, you know what, you see beauty and emotion the way that I do. So just capture that and I'll trust you, you know, and that's an honor to be able to do that. Yeah, it must be. I want to get into the actual process in just a minute. So when you talk about clients, who are your clients? Are they all big brands? Or I mean, will you shoot a wedding video, for example, or is it only commercial stuff? Well, that's a really uh, complex question because defining, you know, my audience in a specific category is a bit of a challenge. I think more than anything, my target audience is really um, a creative. And that could either be someone who embodies that in their personal life or in their business. So, you know, a creative that values meaningful storytelling. 
So at the core, that's the most important thing is that they want it to be meaningful and they value two big things. So breaking off meaningful into connection and beauty. And I used to be scared of the word beauty because I used to think beauty could only be associated with kind of, a, you know, like the beauty market, makeup, fashion. But really beauty is, it has so much more depth to it. Beauty is being able to experience something that is aesthetically inspiring and that could be rooted to something that connects us on an emotional level. So beauty and connection is usually what my clients come for because they say, visually, this is what I want to be able to capture, or I capture this, this way, and I want it to be reflected in my video. And then also connection, like that's really important. So those two things are not, you know, they're an incredibly important part. So my client is someone that is needing a video message that is communicating something through that connection and, and beauty in their work. So that, that could be a, a wedding. Well, I see that. So I see beauty, I see connection, and I see all those things I talked about in the intro. Your videos move me. They move people that watch them. But then I look at your client list and like at the very top is Starbucks and Google. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I just don't see those guys having a video made by you. Like, can you talk about what you did for them? Because when I see your videos, those brands don't seem to fit. Oh, so that's really funny. Okay, I'll tell you a story then, kind of sort of how that all happened. So originally, yes, I was mostly in this photography world, because that's the world that I knew. Even though I graduated with a film degree and I worked on a documentary, I started my business as a photographer. And it was because for me, a DSLR camera was the most accessible way for me to actually capture someone. So again, because connection was something that was always important to me, like I could not imagine myself having that level of, of vulnerability with the person in front of me with this like huge camera that I would need a camera operator. So I didn't even pursue film in the sense of, you know, motion picture or doing that because I was never the camera operator. I was always someone who was interviewing someone or I was part of the editing team, you know? So I was always involved in the story process, but never in actually filming. So photography allowed me to be that person, to be the person that similar to a cinematographer that captures the light, the visual, the composition, the way that they envision it. Photography allowed me to do that. So I said, you know what, let me just let me go this route. And so I pursued photography and it was through those DSLRs and their ability to do video with, you know, the Canon 5D Mark 1, 2, and 3s and 4s that I said, you know what, I need to bring back this world of motion, which is funny because again, I went from film to photography and then back into kind of incorporating video and movement into my work. And when I did, when I started to incorporate video, it just kind of, it made people react really differently. Like it made me realize that, wait, I'm onto something, (laughs) you know, that, that sort of making me stand out. And especially as a female, because there really isn't a lot of males in the video industry. So the way that I see women and being a female and being drawn to feminine work, I felt that video was just helping me translate that because movement is a huge part of how I communicate. So 
when I started to put that work out there, I was really inspired by the company Free People. I don't know if you've ever seen their kind of short commercial films that they have just on their social media channels. I haven't, no. Oh, they were my inspiration. So when I was doing photography, I thought, why is no one in the photography industry doing videos the way that Free People is? I just thought, I don't even know what they're wearing. But when I finish watching that, I want to be a part of that. Like it makes me, you know, it captivates me. It transports me. It's like the words that you use, which excite me that you say that because that's exactly how I felt about free people. I thought they just, they're holding my attention. They're captivating me and they're just making me dream and wanting me to further associate with, with that brand. What is free people? Is it a clothing brand? Yes. Free people is a clothing brand. They're connected with like anthropology and Urban Outfitters. So they're a clothing brand that just has a really kind of a visual platform that a lot of people kind of model themselves after. So a lot of people in the photography world might say that, oh, their style is similar to free people. So it's synonymous with kind of this uninhibited, slightly bohemian look. But I didn't really care so much about like the visual aesthetic as much as the way that they were doing videos. It was just unlike anyone else was doing on kind of this marketing level. You know, you might see a movie like that, but you weren't really seeing these, you know, online web commercials that way. And I felt that when I was watching photographers do promotional videos, all I kept seeing was, okay, they're drinking coffee and they're working from their MacBook. Like I (laughs) constantly saw that and I thought, okay, I get it. I know that we all love coffee and we all love our MacBooks, but there's something deeper, isn't there? I mean, like we're creatives and we get to transport people. We get to capture these meaningful memories for people that years later get to look at and say, wow, that took me back to that moment. I wanted to do that. And so I thought, you know what? I might not be working for free people right now, but it doesn't mean I can't create that kind of content for the audience around me, the audience that I have access to. So I did, and I started putting that kind of work and I started to put out messaging that said that. I actually used the word brand films because it was not being used. What everybody was calling them were promotional films or fusion when you mix video and photography. And I thought, gosh, but that doesn't really, I don't respond to that. I respond to motion because it, you know, it captures what I'm really trying to change, you know, about what the industry was, I felt previously doing. So when I did that, it got on the radar of a creative director who started following my work. And so she is part of an agency here in Phoenix and she was watching my work for a while. I had no idea. And then she reached out to me about a year and a half later because they were contacted by Starbucks. So Starbucks was their client. But here's the great thing. Starbucks was transitioning from um their brand was starting to fall into more of this corporate feel and less so neighborhood feeling, you know, like less feeling like it's like your local neighborhood coffee shop. And so they were redoing their whole brand to feel local and handmade, you know, like those kind of words that made people have a connection to it. So she reached out to me because she said, 
we're creating content for them. And one of those components is video, but the video is very much about creating an emotional connection. And I've seen your work and I know that that's the magic that you have. What stands out to me about your work. And I remember thinking like, really me? I was so, (laughs) you know, it's a different world photographers to start but tell me about that phone call i mean were you shaking were you thinking is this a friend playing a joke how am i going to come up with a price like what was going through your head oh yeah well so they wanted to meet me in person first so i had no idea the meeting was to talk about starbucks you know they had me sign an nda at the time oh wow you still didn't know (laughs) no i had no idea well first i think they wanted to meet me and they were curious are you the one that's creating all of your content like do you have someone else that's filming someone else that's editing So I think once they knew and got to know me and understood that I was the one that was kind of conceptualizing these projects, filming them, editing them, they then presented me with, um, well, and what's funny, if I'm completely honest, is when I first said Starbucks, no joke, even though, you know, I was like, whoa, the first thing in my head was, but that's interesting. Why are you reaching out to me and not because I felt like I was, you know, I'm just this freelance creative that's, you know, doing video. No, it was more because, well, you see the work that I do and I feel that it's more on this kind of very artistic side. And so I thought, what does Starbucks want to do with that? I find that super interesting because I think as a creative, we start thinking, well, how can we make our work suit them? Why are they coming to us? Is that what you're thinking or not? Were you thinking... I'm not changing no matter who you are. You have to fit with me. Well, I mean, not so crassly, but it was it was sort of this, <laughs> it was more of this feeling of, I mean, it was, at the root, it was that feeling of, well, this is the work that I do. And so why are you coming to me? Because my hope is that you're coming to me because you want to do work, like the work that I'm creating, that you're seeing, and that you don't want to use me. You know, I, I never, ever want to be used as, a videographer. Like if someone just needs someone that is capable of creating cool video, then I'm not the right person, you know, and I can recommend however many people because there's so many talented videographers out there. And so when she said Starbucks, I remember thinking, oh no, I don't resonate and I don't get excited about creating content that might feel really manufactured or forced. And what made me so excited and was so validating was that obviously I didn't say those things out loud. I was just thinking that in my head. And so when they told me that Starbucks was doing the transition from feeling kind of corporate to now competing with coffee shops, like actual mom and pop coffee shops, they wanted their content to feel like that, to feel just like an artist came in and said, you know, I mean, still, but that's the thing, right? They wanted the professional quality in the visuals, but they wanted the heart of a, I don't know, an artist. I don't know if I'm communicating that well. It's like, yeah, you are, you are. Okay, great. And I think that that's what made it feel like an honor is that they saw my work as, you know, that level of professionalism where they know that they could present it to Starbucks, but they saw within me, the artist that, you know, I would say I work from this place of imagination and intuition. And so they saw both things. So it was honestly just a huge marker in my career. And that kind of transition from, you know, sort of doing these 
promotional brand films into something a lot more elevated, but not losing the heart of what I do. Mm -hmm. All right, this is going to feel like a tangent, but I'm coming back in just a sec. So your videos inside Vimeo there on your account, there, you've got one there, The Heart Knows, Director's Cut. Who was that for? <laughs> that was for me and for, <laughs> well, because, you know, the director's cut, I think it's usually, it's a phrase that a director makes a cut that, first of all, your client is your priority when you're hired on for a project. And I'm always excited by my client's vision, but there was something about that project where I knew I needed to inject her and the main focus with her being this photographer. But for me, as a storyteller, I didn't want to take the focus away from this heartfelt story of just that couple. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why you've cut it a little bit different to what that photographer will use for her promotion. Absolutely. Yeah. So my intention with doing that is, again, to put out content that says, hey, this is what I love doing. Because my ultimate, you know, my ultimate hope is that, you know, sort of kind of being this director that I can work on different teams or I can continue filming. But the reason I'm being hired is because of the vision that I have. Okay. So maybe that wasn't the best example. And I will come to that once. Look at the next video along. And I didn't pick this one because I was scared of butchering the title. The, <laughs> do you know the one I'm talking about? The French one? Oh, the Paris with Audrey? Yes. Yes. Okay. Was that for a photographer too? Yes, that was for a photographer. Okay. You're working for a photographer, shooting this one with Audrey in Paris. Mm -hmm. And then you have on the other side, you have the executives from Starbucks or the agency. And to me, I see two totally separate conversations. I see the one with Audrey that the photographer saying, Ale, I love what you do. Just do your thing. Like you are going to be magic here. Whereas with Starbucks, in my head, I'm seeing a bunch of executives saying, mm, I think we need to do a little bit more of this or you're doing too much of that or that's not really our style. Is that how it was or did you get creative freedom with Starbucks? So it was definitely different and I was setting up expectations of thinking, okay, this is going to really help me learn and know are these markets like can they be markets that I pursue? You know, will I still be able to experience that creative freedom? And in order for me to have done that, I knew that I would need to prepare a lot through storyboarding as much as possible in the storyboarding process in order to say, because for me, my ultimate goal when I create a storyboard or even like a mood board, basically anything that's a visual with some notes that say, this is how I visualize this scene. And I have these specific images that give the client just a glimpse into what I'll be capturing because if they're not excited about that, then they're not going to be excited about what I'm going to film because I spend a lot of time finding visuals that closely will allude to what I will capture. Like they're not going to be obviously, you know, identical recreations because it's not possible, but it's going to at least paint a picture for them of what they might expect and certainly how they're going to feel, like how that story would feel. So I really try to break all of those visuals down into a document and I send it to them. And so what I learned with Starbucks was, first of all, my client was this agency, you know, because Starbucks was the client to that agency. So for me, I had to make sure I was listening to the needs of this agency. 
Because even if I might have a different approach to it, there was a, a very specific message they needed to communicate for what they were doing for Starbucks. Because, you know, Starbucks works with multiple agencies for different projects. And so this one had a very specific purpose. And so what I learned was that there was some fear from the people that worked at the agency. So the creative director is the one who reached out to me and she was really sort of my advocate, the one that told that agency, this is the girl, this is the person we should work with. And because it was their first time working with me, there were other people on that team that were really weary and they would sometimes say, oh, can we just, you know, make sure we do another shot that looks like <laughs> this? And so, you know, I said, okay, this is my first time working with them. Even though the creative director is vouching for me, I still need to present that level of respect that says, hey, yes, you know, let's do that. But when I put it together, that was when I said, hey, you guys, let me make this cut. You know, we've had these meetings, we've had these conversations. So now I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to put a draft together. And what was so funny is that one individual that was sort of on my back a lot, we ended up doing another project with Starbucks. And that day on set, I'm not even kidding. He said, you just tell me what you need and I'll get people out of the way, whatever. <laughs> you he was just so excited and it became an actual collaboration. So yeah, it just, I think took time for, it's a bigger team, you know, whereas like with a creative and a photographer, it's one person. When you work with large companies or agencies, I mean, there are so many people scrutinizing every little detail. That's why the pre-production work is essential. Wow. Can we see that video anyway? I can't see it inside your Vimeo page. Is it somewhere else? Yeah, actually, I ended up making a tab on my website called Agency Films. It was done a few years ago, but I decided that, you know, even though I sort of, I was hesitant to put that on my portfolio work because, you know, it, it's still different. It's different from these creative stories. I wanted to put it because at the end of the day, when you work with really large established brands, it does comfort them to see, oh, this is the work that you produced. And so I even have a document, sort of like a pitch document that I have the objective of the agency broken down into words and then how I approached it and my role in like the casting, the storyboarding, like that entire process. I wrote it all out so that if I ever, you know, I'm sort of bidding for a really large company they can sort of see, hey, look, this was a strategic objective. And then this was like how the emotional connection was brought from vision to execution. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about Starbucks and that process. Mm -hmm. I want you just to think about how you feel when I ask you the next question. And that is, how did it feel working on the French video with Audrey? Mm, oh, man, that was... <laughs> It was so much just a dream. And not only because I think that, you know, on an aesthetic level, I completely resonated with her. It was just really easy to speak her language, not literally because I don't speak French, <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, the vision that she had. And what's funny is that when we were, so I, my husband and I flew over there and in the flight, I filmed out the window because I was filming everything. I was just, you know, I was just so excited. It was my first international project. Mm 
Wow. That one was. Yeah. And so Paris. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, it was amazing. And so I was filming the window or outside the window with the plane and everything. And when we would be in the car and I would try to get glimpses of the Eiffel Tower. And it was perfect because when I sat down with her to ask her, you know, what is your ultimate goal when people watch this? Because when I work with photographers, they already have beautiful visuals, you know, and especially when I'm working with these established creatives that produce beautiful visuals already, you know, this video has to be more than just a beautiful visual. Does that make sense? Like It does. Yeah, it has to be something extra. Yeah, it has to be something extra because the beauty is is almost, it's already there. They're not lacking that. So what she wanted to convey was, I want to target American brides because I specialize in elopements. Not, you know, weddings. I specialize in elopements, meaning these very intimate gatherings that are usually just the husband and the wife, and they want it to feel like an editorial experience. And a lot of people, you know, and that's what I love is it was so specific and so clear who she was intending this for, how she wanted it to feel. And so for me, like I said earlier, you know, when I dig and I start to understand that message, I then recognized when I was editing, I need two things. One, incorporate the visuals of the travel because that's part of the elopement, right? You're getting away, you know, you're escaping. And then the other thing was I need to incorporate her voice because it is the quintessentialness of, you know, thinking of France, of Paris is that French voice. Like she's not an American photographer. She is a French photographer with this beautiful accent when she speaks English, you know, that you hear the French in there. And so I said, you know, Audrey, if you're attracting brides outside of France, we need to incorporate your voice because hearing you speak French is just going to make that bride say, yeah, like even the way that she sounds, you know, every element, it goes back to why I love video. It connects to your senses your five senses. It's really visceral. And so hearing that, it's as if you can almost just, it engages other senses, even though you're not actually, it still feels that way. And so I knew I needed to incorporate those two elements and incorporate this story of a girl sort of, you know, not really on a whim, but kind of that feel of let's just do this. Let's just go. And then you, you know, you start the story that way. I love it. And the reason I asked you the question was because when I hear you talk about this film, I can feel the emotion as you're talking about it. Whereas the Starbucks one was a little bit more, okay, let me tell you how this went. Yeah. This one is all this feeling. So why as a creative, why do you take on jobs, say with someone like Starbucks or Google or Canon? I can understand Canon, but why the big brands? Like <laughs> if your passion is with these smaller creatives. So I have this board where, because a lot of inquiries that I get, they're not just kind of a, a one size fits all. So I'm having to constantly ask myself, do I take on this client? Yes or no? Is this a possibility? So I have this board on my office that it's split into two things. So they have to have one from section A and then one from section B. And one from section A is it's either meaningful or an inspiring brand. So that's section A. Do they have like a meaningful or inspiring brand? And then section two Is it pushing my boundaries technically, creatively, personally, or is it a financial success? Does it have to push 
your boundaries technically and creatively or you don't want it to do those things? No, I do. So those two things, say, I say, okay, you know, a meaningful brand, there's many meaningful brands. Do they all have the budget to create a video? Not necessarily. And so is the other component. So then if they don't have a budget, do I just say no? You know, how do I know when I should take a chance on someone that, that maybe just can't afford what I offer? So then I ask myself, well, will this project push some boundaries creatively? Will it allow me to experiment in a way that will create growth in my own business or as an artist? Or will it push me personally because I'm so connected with what this brand stands for. Well, and then the alternative is it's a financial success. And so being able to take on projects such as Starbucks, like, yeah, no, they're not Paris, but I'm still exercising those values of creating an emotional connection. So they're not coming to me because, you know, hey, you're, you know, you create really beautiful videos. It's like, no, we're desiring that emotional connection. And it's a financial success because, I mean, it's a very different budget. I mean, it really is like working with those big brands. But to me, you know, a bigger budget, a financial success is not what drives me. Like I don't take a project on just because, you know, I can profit more. That's not a driving force. But when I get approached about other projects, you know, I can only take on so many films because I can't scale that, you know, like I can only edit so many projects and take on so many a month. So in order to strategically run my business where I can serve artists and have that wiggle room financially, then taking on these commercial projects while still not giving up the value of creating emotional connection allows me to do both. Okay, got it. I understand, I understand. Hey, it's Andrew here. I want to jump in quickly and tell you about the Image Salon who are sponsoring today's episode of the show. If you are struggling with your editing or you don't have enough time to work on your business and <laughs> you're spending every waking hour in Lightroom or Photoshop, working on stuff for clients, that is not the way to build a more successful photography business. You need to get in touch with the Image Salon. You will get assigned your own personal editor. In fact, when you get in touch with them, you'll be speaking to someone who you will be working with on an ongoing basis. And they're going to work with you while you're on the call, live, and they're going to start editing 10 images or so to get them looking like you worked on them. And they're going to stick with you till they get the look you're after. And what that does is speed up the whole process of them getting to know your style, your look. So it doesn't matter if you shoot dreamy pastels or if you're going for a, a contrasty black and white grainy film look, if you're going for a low contrast, soft feel, whatever it is, they will work with you to get the look you're after. And the beautiful thing is anytime you send a job their way, you will have the same editor working on your images. So you get consistency and a relationship with a real editor, a real person based in Canada, not in a third world country. They speak English and you can talk to them and call them or email them by name and talk to that person. It's like having an extra person working in your business. And one thing you may not have been aware of, but each of the editors at the Image Salon are actual photographers themselves. They understand the importance of editing and how to bring your images to life in your style. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a no brainer. It's such a simple way to free up your time 
to be able to spend more time working on your business. Or like I said, more time with your family or surfing or riding a bike or exercising, whatever you want to do with your spare time, maybe just shooting for fun or personal projects. If you have an editor to help free up your time, you can do more of the things that you love. If you haven't used Image Salon before and you want to give them a try, and I urge you to, go to theimagesalon.com. You will get 50% off your first order. And if you are a regular client, you're already using the Image Salon, I know there's a good chance you are, then use the discount code BIZX15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So that's all at theimagesalon.com. I'll add links in the show notes. All right, let's get back to LA. I read somewhere, I think it might have been on the Blink conference blog, I think you did an interview for them, that early on you were at a crossroads and it helped define your direction because you were deciding between a paid job and an unpaid job. Do you remember that? And if you don't remember that exact circumstance, so if someone comes to you now and they don't have the budget, but you think it's going to tick some of these other boxes that you have, you'll take them on. So that's why I made this board because what I stand for is since it's rooted so much in emotion, I have to have clarity so that I'm not swayed by the emotionally charged message that someone is sending me because, you know, I just can't run a business that way. You know, you get to a point where, and Sue Bryce speaks a lot on this, you know, where you value yourself, you value a business that is allowing you to spend time away from your family, time away from work. So if there's a project that has a budget that's not ideal, there are only so many or one, you know, that I would consider because again, in order to be able to run my business and spend time away from my 18 month old, that means that I'm being very intentional. So when I'm going to consider that project, it's really serving something greater in our community or in what I stand for. So yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean I, I won't look at it. I won't consider it. It just means that you know, I say to myself, okay, remember, you know, you might only take this one on because of how precious time is. What would be the value of taking that on? And I think that that's how we have to, we have to position it to ourselves. Like what is the value of saying yes to this? And by saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? And is that worth it? Got it. No, I understand where you're coming from. When you go into a project or when you finish a project, how do you feel? Like, let's say, you know, you hand it over to the client. They love it. You're so proud of it. How do you feel? That's my question. How do you feel when you do that handover? Oh, I feel electrified, like electric and grateful. Like, it's really this feeling of immense gratefulness because I think to myself, like, I did it. I was able to translate their vision. You know, like, it's just that... A gratefulness I was able to do it that they trusted me and then so excited to share it with people <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you go through that that process and you have those feelings and then you know you get up the next day and there's another project to start how does that feel because in my head when you're producing the kind of work you are I'm imagining you must be thinking at least sometimes oh my god how do I beat what I've just done how do I even compare I've just given everything how can I do that again is that how it is well, it goes back to, you know, what I said earlier when what I do, it takes a lot of mental, emotional and physical energy because, you know, we're talking about production days, hands on filming, hands on directing, conceptualizing 
editing, selecting music. I mean, sometimes I can spend two hours just beating myself up over the song because it has to be perfect. And so because it really requires a lot of me, you know, I can only take so many on. And that's why I've I've built and grown my business to think of other ways and other models to continue doing the impact that I do, but maybe in a different way that can actually scale. Because one thing that, you know, I sort of hit this point last year when I have an 18 month old, like I mentioned, and when I first became a mom, I knew I wanted to be present for him. I know how much I love what I do and how much it requires of me. And so for me to be able to balance that, to be able to balance being present, I can only take so many on, but also each story that I create, I want it to be meaningful and individual to that person. Because when it's individual to that creative, you don't have to replicate anything. And the truth is I won't like, when you get to work with established artists like Sue Bryce or other photographers that are leaders in their section of their photography industry or whatever industry, they have a lot of people that just want to replicate that, you know? So I got an influx of inquiries asking to do video like her. And I can't because if it's purely to replicate what she's doing, I won't because the content will not look like that. Like that content looks like that because of who she is, because of who that person is. It was rooted in that. When I showed up to that space, it was that person. We didn't have to manufacture that emotion. That emotion was there. It just needed me to capture it. So I have often, yes, struggled with thinking like, you know, it's not like I need to top the last video that I did. I want to make sure that the people that I'm filming that it's true to their story, to who they are. And it makes it a very specialized field, you know, because I'm essentially looking for these visionaries to tell their stories, or at least people that, that they just have a really specific message. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. I put so much of myself in it because I really care about making sure that whoever I'm serving as my client through this story, this video, that they feel that they were heard, the essence of who they were, who they are, and what they stand for in their business is translated in that video. So I think when I continue working from that place, I don't have to worry about, you know, the next video topping the other one. It's just more, okay, how am I going to keep doing this? You know, how am I going to sustain working from this place, you know, years to come? So what will you do? Have you got any plans? (laughs) Yes. So, um, and it's funny because you're sort of capturing me right now in this somewhat of a shift just because, you know, again, I'm a mom now. And, you know, I, I knew that the process that I do to create these films is just simply not scalable. Obviously my prices have increased, But, you know, you get to the point where when you continue increasing, you sort of kind of leave off a a certain market that might still have really beautiful stories to tell. But the work that I'm doing is not reducing, you know, I'm not putting less of me in it. So what I'm now exploring is and actually it's something that people have asked me a lot about for the past three years. I think I like every month I get an inquiry about 
when am I going to teach or am I going to, you know, hold a workshop or a mentorship? And because the work that I do is I'm very thoughtful of all of the details. So if someone came and had a workshop with me or a mentorship, they're going to have my playground. Like I'm going to create a space where they can feel and experience what I do when I work with clients. So I knew that it was going to be very thoughtful and it had to feel the way that I had it in my mind. And so I've spent the past few months developing that. And I've had some individuals that I've taken on. And I'm really excited because I think that that message of connection and emotion and teaching others how to implement that into their work is how I see myself being able to still stay in the photography industry. But then the other part of me is really growing in kind of becoming more of a director so that I'm hired on for projects that they either just hire me as a director, which means I'm involved in the, you know, as a concept storyboarding and there to direct the subjects, because I believe my gift is directing that subject to feel vulnerable in front of the lens and even kind of having the ideas behind those visions. So my hope is to work with brands where maybe they already have their cinematographer or, you know, I have someone and that I'm hired on for that directorial role. So when I look at your videos and the listener goes to check these out, are we seeing professional models in these videos or are these like real couples and real people? It's a mix. I would say that for I mean, I don't know, percentage wise, maybe more are models, but like the wedding in Italy, which is one of my most recent videos there on Vimeo. I mean, they're a real couple. And, you know, Sue Bryce, the most recent video I did, her subject was a non-professional model. So even when you're working with professional models, because you said one of your gifts is to make the subject look vulnerable in front of the camera. So you have to do that even with professional models. They need your help to get what you want from them. Oh, absolutely. I remember someone asked me if, you know, is there a difference between working with brands in a totally scripted environment versus working with couples and capturing real life moments? And I thought like, oh my gosh, that's such a good question, you know, because there's a difference between or for a lot of people, they say, well, you know, if an actor or I mean a model You're sort of getting to, they already have the comfort. So you're not having to break through that barrier. So yes, there's definitely, you know, an advantage between having a model that is already comfortable in front of the camera. But at the end of the day, you still need to believe them. You know, like emotion is still a human element. Like you can tell someone to look like they're cold and they can move their arms, their hands up and down around their arms. And you think, oh, that doesn't look like they're cold because when I'm cold, you know, because when I'm cold, I'm actually shaking and my body tenses up and my mouth looks really rigid and it looks like I'm straining to not shake. Like that's what cold looks like. Cold doesn't look like, ooh, okay, I'm going to rub my arms around my shoulders because to me, like that's what I grew up like imagining. I thought, what's the realest way, the most non-obvious way to communicate this emotion? So, you know, I'm taking this example of like feeling cold because I would hate like, okay, yes, that's like maybe a universal sign, but like, let's not use universal signs. Like, let's find ways that someone 
says, oh, I recognize that. Yes, I do that too. I sort of bite my lip a little bit when I'm also freezing or I clench my fist. And so I still have to convey that to a model. And whereas a real couple, there's a relationship there. So the advantage is that they're you know, the relationship and the emotions are real. So now it's up to me to create a space that makes them comfortable. And I give them cues to bring up those emotions that are already true to them. So for an actor or a model, I have to make it believable. I have to say like, yes, you're playing this character, but I'm not going to move on from this scene or this shot until I believe you. And I have a very <laughs> like high bar for believability. <laughs> So is this the sort of thing you'll be teaching like other people that want to move into this field or get better at it? Yeah, that's what I'm really excited about because, you know, that's why it took so long developing this because what I thought was like they need to have a subject that embodies that. You know, it's almost like they take on that character. So my goal is to almost create, you know, instead of a styled shoot, which is very typical in a teaching environment for workshops, I didn't want to have like a styled shoot where you're moving the limb limb by limb to a certain pose. My goal was let's create a character. So the model is actually an actress who is going to personify my student's ideal client, you know? And so now they're having to direct that subject, but we're doing a lot of homework before we show up to film based on the values of that client. Because everybody wants to get to emotion, but guess what? Before you get to emotion, you have to start at values. You have to start there because to me, emotion is a translation of those values, the values of the person that you're filming, your values, like the emotion comes from that, or at least real emotion, you know, comes from that. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And yeah, teaching from that very like human place. Fantastic. I've got two last questions to ask you, Ali, before I let you go. One is a more technical one because I saw, and I think this is common with a lot of videographers, that your favorite lens is a 50 mil. I think it's a 1.4. I think you're shooting Canon. But when I see still photographers, the big trend is towards 35 mil or even 28 mil, but mostly 35 mil. Why do you shoot with a 50 instead of a little bit wider? So I shoot with a 50 because, um, and it's funny, I should really consider wider because I naturally shoot very closely. Like I'm not afraid to get really close with my clients, but I don't know. I think it reflects that intimacy that I love. It's like a visual representation. The composition is to me captures light, especially, you know, the 1.2 50 millimeter lens from Canon that the range of depth of field, and it's really tricky in video when you're shooting at a lower aperture. But when you do and you can master that focus, it creates that ethereal quality that I love. So I think I love having that option of dropping down that low. And, and even though you still can on a 35, I don't know, I like to shoot really tight. Like to me, being close is a physical representation of the intimacy that I feel with my subjects as I'm connecting with them. You know, when I guide them and pose them, I just feel like I'm right there. And also if I needed to step back because maybe I need to give them room, but I still want to shoot tight, you know, I'm on the 50. So the 85 would be too extremely close. And then the 50 allows me to still 
create that closeness by giving them a little bit of distance, but not too much. Got it. My last question takes me back to the beginning of your story when you were going through your degree or your film school. You said there that you weren't shooting, you know, you were directing and writing scripts and storyboarding. And why weren't you on a camera back then? I think because the program that I was doing was very theory based. I unknowingly, you know, chose a school that did not specialize in film that way, you know, on a technical level. I chose film studies to pursue and pretty much all of it was all about film history. So it was giving me insight into kind of, you know, formulas. And I think that it's always really important to know a formula so that when you're breaking it or you're breaking some rules, you at least know it, you know, it's kind of intentional or you understand it. And honestly, I mean, I was so scared of it because I was one of the very few females in that department. And everybody that I would meet, it would be these guys that were like, oh, yeah, you know, I took my home camera and I would make these videos of, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I never touched a camera. Like when I was in high school, I never touched a camera. So I felt very and I still felt that way, to be honest with you, even coming into this video industry as a photographer, it, I was always really fearful that someone would say, well, then what do you know? You know, if, if you weren't holding a camera, but it wasn't about that, like the camera was a way to translate it. But I had that story and I had that vision. And so I think that I didn't touch the camera because it seemed so foreign to me. It wasn't something that our school was doing. And the few times that there were, I would always sign up to either act or direct. <laughs> so yeah, I think I was just really scared of it. it. It honestly was not a way that I saw as translating my vision. Like I saw editing as a way to translate the story that I had in my head. When you were going through school, then was it the fact that you were a female or was it because you didn't have the experience with a camera that you think was holding you back? I think in my head... I think it was that I didn't have a camera, you know, I felt that because I hadn't really, you know, when the people in my department talked about making these home movies, I felt like such an outsider, like I didn't resonate with that. I wasn't that person. And so I didn't have the confidence to say, well, let me just try it or why don't I? And I also didn't really have the opportunity in that school. Actually, we did have a, like, there was like this one campus movie fest that, and again, when my friends and I came together as a team and we won first place in our school for that, but I was not touching the camera, you know, I was there to conceptualize and help with the script. So I think it was not having had the experience and I allowed that fear to paralyze me from even trying. Wow. And look at where you are now. Like, it's incredible. I bet you are the envy of the rest of your classmates if they, uh, <laughs> if they care to look you up and see where you are now. Oh, God. <laughs> Ale, this has been a real pleasure. And I just want to say a massive thanks for sharing everything you have. And yeah, I've had a ball chatting to you. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh -huh. what you come up with next. And before I do let you go, where is the best place for the listener to check out your work? I would say Instagram because I'm sharing a lot more about my process and what I've been up to on my stories. So I would say Instagram, which is Ale Vidal. It's all one word, A-L-E-V-I-D-A-L. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to add links to anything and everything that I can find on you in the show notes to go with this, including links to those videos that we talked about. Ale, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. It's been an honor and I thank you for having me. 
Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ale Vidal. I mentioned a bunch of videos and made reference to them in the interview. I'm going to link to all of those in the show notes and you can find them at photobizx.com forward slash TPX22. Now in those show notes, like I said, I'll have links to anything and everything that Ale mentioned. I'll have examples of her work. And at the bottom of the show notes, you'll find a comments area. So if there's something that you wish that I asked LA that I didn't, then of course, hit her up there. I know that she'll be happy to come back and answer those questions. And if you just want to say thanks for coming on the show, I know she'd appreciate those messages too. But one thing you absolutely must do is go and check out her work. She said the best place is Instagram. I'm not going to dispute that, but please have a look at her videos as well, because it'll give you a much better understanding of exactly why I contacted her to do this interview in the first place. And Ale, if you're listening, again, a massive thanks to you for coming on and sharing everything you did. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, you're an amazing talent. And to think that you're actually going to be passing that on and teaching students, photographers, creatives, videographers how to do what you're doing. Yeah, that's just amazing. And well, I can't imagine the value that you'll be able to pass on to those people. And I can't wait to see where that takes you. All right, just before I go, I do want to say a massive thanks again to the Image Salon. They are the people to talk to if you are looking at outsourcing your work, freeing up more of your time and having a close relationship with a personal editor so you can get consistent results every time. Head over to theimagesalon.com to learn more and get 50% of your very first order. Or use the promo code bizx15 to get 15% off if you are already a regular user of their services. And thanks, guys, for sponsoring today's episode of the show. All right, that's it for this episode. I will talk to you in the future. Have a great week. I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com. 